Ready to go? All right. This is the very first taping of Northerned with myself, Beatrice Deer, with my guest host, Tanya Mesher-Jones. Hi. Yes. Laurel Springlemeyer. You got it. Mm-hmm. And Chris McCarran. Hey. And our guest, Desiree Cumberbatch. So um, let me introduce you to the team here. Tanya Mesher-Jones is a designer, jeweler, painter, and illustrator from Gujok, Nunavik, Quebec, currently based in Montreal. Tanya produces a fashion line under her name, Tanya Innaholik. She's a all-around self-made badass businesswoman. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and then we have Laurel. Laurel is a visual artist and musician best known by her musical moniker, Little Scream. As Little Scream, her work has been praised by The Guardian, The New York Times, and she has toured North America and Europe extensively. Welcome, Laurel. Thank you. Thanks for being here with Whoa. us. And Chris, Chris McCarran, is uh, my... <laughs> my uh, awesome bandmate, uh, and he produces our our albums. And he's a he's a jack of all trades. There is nothing he can't do or fix. Um, he's a he's an incredible musician, and he's uh, one of my best friends. So uh, that's uh, Chris McCarran. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, our guest. Desiree Cumberbatch started competing in the Inuit Games at the age of 14 and has earned 31 Arctic Winter Games Ulus since 2006 in Alaska. She also had uh, accumulated about 200 medals since she was a teenager. She played team sports such as ice hockey, soccer, basketball, and volleyball in her high school years. She also took part in a short distance a marathon and track and field in Nunavik. Inuit games, however, have a special place for Desiree. 17 years and counting. Now, I know Desiree personally, and I am honored that she's here with us. And um, first of all, let's uh, talk about um, being an athlete, Desiree. Yes, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for introducing me. Um, being an athlete, it's, it's, I feel like I am meant to be an athlete, so it, it comes naturally for me and yeah, let's talk about Arctic sports. All right. Yeah. So do you guys have any questions to Desiree? I, I know a little bit about the Arctic, Arctic sports, so I'd like to hear your questions to Desiree. I have so many questions okay. because, first of all, I'm really ignorant about sports in general. Uh -huh. And so when it comes to Arctic sports, I it was totally new for me. So knowing that we were going to be talking to you today was a great opportunity for me to start reading uh -huh. about Arctic sports. Uh -huh. And one thing that was really exciting to me is that I hadn't heard of almost of many of the sports that are included in the Ar in Arctic sports. And a lot of the ones that you've won medals for were totally new sports for me. So I would love to hear about things like the one foot high kick and the finger pull mm -hmm. and 
all, all of these, um, yeah, just so, so many brand sports that were totally new to me. Yes. So Arctic sports or Inuit games, um, there are so many games um, that we play, but traditionally, uh, yeah, there are so many games. Um, how can I explain this? I'm good at the sports, but I'm not so good with explaining the games. It's so, like I have to show you. Sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 She she does very great demonstrations. Move the tables, guys. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do that. For another episode. <laughs> could you, could you, could yeah. you, this is why you got me here, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. You pin pin Desiree on me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So one foot high kick. Um you there's a target that is hanging from the ceiling or from um, uh, a stick or a stand and then the participant or the athlete has to jump with both feet kick with one foot and land on the same foot that you kicked with and there's each height you have three chances and at the competition there's three minutes each in each um, attempts um, so that's one foot high kick and two foot high kick. It's same, um, same idea. Jump with both feet, kick with both feet, land on both feet, and you have to maintain your balance. So we have an example that we can see up on the screen over there. And what's your record, Desiree? My record, that's one foot high kick, by the way. And my record is seven feet, six inches. Whoa. And wow. how tall are you? I am five feet, six inches. Wow. Yeah. And the world record for women in one foot high kick is seven feet, 10 inches. And for men, it's over nine feet. I think it's nine, nine, nine feet, nine inches or wow. nine, six. I forgot. It's, uh, it's incredible. And, uh, the Inuit games, um, were all about survival back mm -hmm. in the day mm -hmm. before they became an official sport yeah it was all about survival yeah um for our ancestors yeah because these games um they're physical but they were also um used to entertain kids uh and to stay in shape especially for men because if you can stay in shape like you can be a better hunter yeah a better hunter Mm -hmm. Yeah, out in the land. Yeah, and the more physically strong and agile you are, the more dangers you can avoid. Mm -hmm. um, and appealing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Sexier. That's the kind of guy I would go for. <laughs> Nine foot six, one foot high kick. High kick. <laughs> Mine. Yes. <laughs> and, um, one of the good examples that I can give you is the nil jump. So you, at the competition, you kneel on the floor, feet flat, and then you have to jump forward. The further you go, you, you win. Um, but back then that was used, especially, um, by women, Inuit women, uh, to have the strength to get up fast and quick and start running. If the ice breaks mm. yeah wow yeah i think you can picture what yeah. i'm trying mm -hmm. to say yeah so yeah all of these sports 
uh, one foot high kick, two foot high kick, kneel jump, arm pull, um, head pull, they triple serve jump. The purpose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of these, um, they all have a history behind behind these. I don't know all of them, but I know most of them, I think. So what are the the sports that you won medals for? Yeah. When it comes to that question, I'm like, just say uh, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> all of them is the easy answer. <laughs> yeah. But my favorite, what I can say is my favorites are one, um, one foot high kick and arm pull because I'm like good at them. But my least favorites are Alaskan high kick and nil jump. Yeah. And why is that? Nil jump. I'm like, Ugh, I'll do it. But yeah, I'm because it's too easy no it's, no they're not easy like alaskan high kick and nil jump are not easy for me i don't know why <laughs> um but the other sports i feel like i'm so natural at them i don't even think i just do them like i just perform and then, and then um and winning medals uh, is not something that i like aim for but since i'm good at them i just like do my best and yeah yeah, hopefully. So you the have best. to be uh you have to know how to do every uh different sport in the Inuit games. Or you have to compete or you have to learn and practice every single one of them? Um good question. But you don't have to do all of the sports okay. when you're competing. You have to do at least three uh goals at the Artiguna games. Okay. Um but for women there's seven games and for men there's 10 games um and you have to do at least three and then you're good yeah to compete you to compete uh-huh. you have to do three so when i was watching that video of uh, an example of the one foot high kick mm-hmm. how it seems like it takes so much coordination to yes. be able to land mm-hmm. back on your feet mm-hmm. and how do on you your foot on your foot sorry yes. right yes That's the two foot is the the both feet but how do you practice something like that without getting a concussion because i i, I, I was thinking if i was trying to do that i, I first of all i couldn't kick that high and i would fall over yeah if i was so to practice i mean do your fitness at the um do your workouts at a gym um like lunches or squats and stuff like that but with the coordination like you really have to think like be present with your body um when i teach kids i tell them to go slow and when i first watch a participant or an athlete to like to do a kick um it's easy for me to um tell them to like okay work on this or work on your kick or your high on your jump um yeah like again like i have to be on the floor with the participant or an athlete to like to coach her or him. Um, but for me, since it was so easy for me to jump and kick, like I didn't really have to think. So you were born for this. Yeah, basically. I feel it. I feel mm. it too. Like I mm-hmm. really, it's mm-hmm. in my head. Like I'm so convinced that like I was born to do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like, know that feeling. Yeah, what yeah. I do too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like Desiree and I talk about um, purpose and mm-hmm. and um, finding your passion. Mm-hmm. And um, this is what we talk about. Yeah. Is like you just know that you're 
you're made <laughs> for for something uh -huh. like and when you find it it just comes very natural uh -huh. what a great feeling the best feeling yeah actually. yeah so um now that you are uh you just um started your 30s Mm -hmm. Um, how do you see your life now versus, um, 10 years ago? So much better. Mentally, I feel so mature. Um, I think mature-er, I think. Um, yeah, like, I feel like I seek less, uh, from people. Like, I used to be like a people pleaser and seeking approval from others. Now, as a 31-year-old woman, I'm like, I'm, no, I don't need to do that, actually. I I really don't need to do that. Yeah, and it, it feels so good. Uh, I feel more confident about myself. I feel more um, independent. And I think age is, it's it's a blessing. It's a privilege. Mm -hmm. um, I'm so happy and um yeah i'm just so happy to become more like getting older mm -hmm. yeah elevated and, yeah exactly and what do you think brought you there found living by moments by moments i think reading lots of books yes, <laughs> yes. i was telling tanya uh, like this group like i do i love reading and I think reading helps me um, grow and seeing or imagining, um, sorry, using imagination to to grow. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of authors and so many writers that can use words um, to show uh, readers that there's a different world. Like there's so many different uh, experiences and stories and I love to read about them. So I think that helps me to grow as a person, reading books. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Awesome. Now let's go back into your background more. Uh -huh. um, you're an Inuk from Inukjua, uh -huh. but you're also part Black. Uh -huh. So can we go into that? Inuk Black, that's what I call myself. Uh -huh. Yeah, Inuk and Black. My mom, she's Inuit, and my dad is Black. Uh, she grew up in Inukra. And my dad came from the Caribbean, 17 then the Grenadines. He's still in Inukra. Um, They both met here in Montreal at a bar in downtown Montreal. And they s suddenly got pregnant uh, with my brother, and they decided to move to Inutra together. Um, my mom wanted to move because when they first got pregnant, they went to a hospital, and the doctor at the time uh, was rude, I think. Um, and the doctor thought that my mom was a uh, drug addict, and the doctor also thought my dad was um, yeah, like, yeah, drug addict and crackheads. And my mom started crying and they 
they decided to go, okay, let's let's go into Iran and g- give birth, and they ended up staying there. Mm-hmm. So they experienced racism. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was at, like it was late '80s too. So at the time, I don't know, like I wasn't born at the time, but yeah, it was sounded rude when mm-hmm. I heard the story. So I'm so happy that they moved. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. They. We as uh, Inuit and uh, BIPOC people, we experience racism Mm -hmm. and it's sad that we still do Mm -hmm. today. Um, Like the story about Joyce Echequan, for example, and that's just one example Mm -hmm. out of so many. So, but at the same time, like when I look at the bright side, like if that didn't happen, they would be in a different spot. Like they would be uh-huh. in a different um, place. I think. Yeah. Um, I'm happy that I'm. I was born and raised in, like, in Nunavik. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That for had sure. to happen. I think. Yeah. Like yeah. It or not. And it's yeah. And it's it. And it's it's so good that you 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 practice seeing the the positive side of uh-huh. a bad situation, which is I try to practice too. And it takes it 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 takes awareness and yeah. practice yeah, to do that it does and that's what i admire about you thank you so you were raised in Inujuk. can you talk a bit about your childhood what it was like <laughs> yeah my brothers and i uh were like two years one two years apart so we were like friends um i loved playing outside with my brothers and you're with her. You're the only girl. Yeah, yeah. Um, and are you a middle child, or youngest? Uh, the second. Uh, There's there were four of us, and I'm the second, second oldest. Yeah, second oldest. And I was always, always the exceptional one. So mm. I was like the lucky one. Um, I felt like protected, um, coming from my dad and my brothers and. We were friends. We were always friends. Um, of course, like siblings do fight, so we had that sometimes. And our our house was next to a playground, so we were always outside playing before the internet days. Um, so it was always fun. And the neighborhood, like the kids' neighborhood, um, sorry, the kids from the neighborhood, they were nice to us, so it was. I loved my childhood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As a um, black Inuk girl, mm-hmm. did you experience any racism in your community? Yeah, yeah. So my brothers and I, like, obviously we had a different like skin color. The kids our age, they were we were friends. But the older kids, like preteen at the time, they were um, like they would bully us, calling us names. Um, but we, yeah, like my brothers, they always had my back, and every time they were um, there were be fights. They were my brothers were the ones like fighting back. Then I would be like kind of behind and just like not bother uh, with the fights, but. The kids that were bullying us, um, when I'm looking back at them, like, 
they were hurting inside. Mm. So, mm-hmm. like, I forgave them. Mm. And unfortunately, some of them had already passed away. And when I look at their family history, it makes sense why they were hurting inside. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why forgiving it came like really easy for mm-hmm. me. Um, because I was trying to understand why they were like that. Um, what a beautiful human trait that mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. To be able to look at um, people who do wrong mm-hmm. and understand where they're coming from. Because it has to, like, it, mm-hmm. came, it came from somewhere. Like, hurt people hurt people. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. I've heard of that many times, and I do believe it, too. Um, also, like, heal people, heal people. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, like, those kids, I mean, they really did their best, I think. Um, they did with what they had. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure they heard... Um, words from their parents and yeah. their parents hurts like i don't know they heard it from somewhere yeah um and also um by nature you kind of uh question another person if the person is different like when you look at the person like he or she is different i'm like like you question that kind of like and as kids you just kind of blur words out like um and they nights i forgave them it's they were just kids too yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's uh yeah it's truly inspiring to to hear you talk about forgiveness and and healing mm-hmm. um i find that's something that um we need to do more of i think it, it would make up the world a whole lot better if if everyone had that value, that mm-hmm. core value. It relieves you of burden. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> um. So, how did you get introduced to Arctic Winter Games? <laughs> that I asked the same question because um. Um. When I was eight years old or 10 years old, there were, are we good? Like it's, yeah. Um, I think I was 10. I was, I think I was 10 years old and I was at the Inalik school, gym school. And there were people playing the, the, the Arctic sports, the Inuit games. And they were doing kicks and one of the athletes ask me like if I want to try and I I tried it like right away like I picked it up right away like I again I didn't have to think I didn't have to imagine like I just as if I um did it before and the girls there were teenagers at the time the girls were um jumping they were kicking and I was better than them and at 10 yes and <laughs> at your first time yes exactly and so to answer your question it's um that's how I was i was introduced uh i don't know why i went to that gym it was evening and i don't know how i got there <laughs> uh-huh. so i don't remember that part uh-huh. but i do remember kicking and it was i was in the moment and it it was very natural for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Amazing. Um, now, if you're okay with uh, talking about uh, your mom. I'm okay with that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's let's talk about how she passed away. Mm -hmm. uh, this is when I want Kleenex, I think, mm -hmm. if there's any. Uh, yeah, my mom passed away in 2018 fall. Which is very uh, recent. Yeah, it was September. Um, September 15. She passed away in a nursing home. And her lungs, um, what is it? Pneumonia. She had pneumonia and high fever. She passed away like that, but she passed away under a uh, circumstance. In July... To, uh, 2018, she had gone into a coma because she was found unconscious at a hotel room. She was an alcoholic um, person, um, and she had, you know, she had so many um, um, alcohol bottles around the floor, around the hotel room, and the 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 janitor saw her unconscious and. The ambulance had to pick her up, sent to the nursing uh, hospital. Thank you. And in the ambulance, she had to be revived. She, uh, they had to do a CPR. And when she got to the hospital, she like she had to be in a coma for three and a half weeks. And then when she like woke up, um. Like, most of her brain was, like, dead, like, dead, dead. She couldn't move. She couldn't talk. She couldn't eat. Like, she had to be um, nursed. She had to be in a nursing home 24-7. And then, unfortunately, she had to be, uh, she, she got sick, and then she passed away. How old was she? She was 54, I think. Yeah. It's young. It's yeah. very young. Mm -hmm. And that was due to her alcoholism? Yeah, she was. Honestly, I suspected that because um, she had close calls in the past. Um, was she living here now? No. So, okay, she was living in Inuk, but she had gone to Montreal for hospital uh, follow-up. Um, she had other many uh, health issues. Um, but she, um, she had a, like a, I don't know what it's called medically, but, um, potential brain tumor. Okay. So that's why she was here for Damn. hospital. And on Thursday night, I drove her back to her hotel Friday night, uh, Friday morning. She had to be in Inuk. Um, she had to flew back to Inuk. But she didn't. So Saturday, I I called her um, her hotel. She, no pickup. She wasn't there. Um, no, I thought she wasn't there. She didn't pick her phone up. She, she didn't. She never had a cell phone. So so I had to call her um, hotel room. Sunday, no no answer. And then Monday, no answer. And then that su Monday afternoon, there was someone. In Inura calling me saying that, uh, do you hear your mom is 
unconscious and they couldn't recognize her and I think she's at the hospital and then I'm like what what's going on like I and when I learned that like um I didn't know which hospital she was in and so I had to search and then I was like I when I went into a taxi like I didn't know which hospital she was in so I was like okay let's just go to any hospital I'll like look for her like physically and one shot I went to uh, the Glen Hospital and then we somehow I found her there no I called Inura I called someone and then that person maybe she's on this room so let's just like let's go see the ICU ICU level so we went there she was there um and then yeah it was that's how um, I found her yeah so sorry yeah it's so sad like no one recognized her like the janitor like I mean at the hotel like a human body is if a human body is unconscious is I mean of course like the um she needed medical attention and then when it came to hospital like we didn't know like the doctors like no one knew who this person was and then somehow um the at the hotel um the receptionist at her my mom's name and the room and then they kind of like calculated like okay maybe it's this person and then that's how um that that's how they got the name uh, of course like i recognized my mom like i i know my mom i knew my mom and like i could identify her like okay yeah that's her and the room number matches like this person mm-hmm. so that's how we found out uh it was actually her mm-hmm. that must have been so scary yeah uh, it was if we were confused like my dad um he was in in Iraq at the time and we knew that like some like every time my mom is in Montreal she would skip a day um like she wouldn't catch her flight mm-hmm. because um, she would drink or had passed out or blacked out. Like, that was usual. Mm-hmm. Um, so on that Friday morning, Saturday morning, we knew, okay, maybe she just missed her flight. She's passed out. Because mm-hmm. many times like she was always like that. Mm-hmm. Then on Sunday and Monday, we were like, okay, we need we need to find her. Um, never expecting that yeah, this yeah, was yeah what was going on. Mm-hmm. Somewhat like we, I mentioned that I suspected that, but not at that time. I just didn't like think at the time were that bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my mother and I, our relationship was so like it wouldn't we wouldn't align. Like we were not the same persons because 
she drank, I'm sober. And I hated having her around when every time she drinks. She knew, like, everyone knew that. And so that's, like, I would, I didn't even want her in my apartment at the time. I mean, they among us yet, but um, I did drove her. When I drove her back to the hotel that night, she, um, like, she said something that was so unusual. Like, I was driving and she was, like, in the passenger seat and she said like funny like she just looked at me and someday like I'm gonna die sick she just said that like okay I'm I'm like I'm driving and then I didn't even say anything back and then when she said that I had a feeling like that's this is gonna manifest I just didn't know it was gonna be that close mm-hmm. yeah yeah um, yeah, it just happened like that. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. That's really heartbreaking. Yeah. But I learned to accept that right away. Um, I do accept her death. Um, there are few like there are things that I don't really accept. Um, like um growing up I was like, I wish I had a sober mom. I wish I had um you know, fun mom. I wish the alcohol was in her daughter. Like, I was so mad at her. I was like hating her. Like, and I hated having that feeling too. Like, this is supposed to be my mom, and and I think like this about her, and I hated thinking like that. So, the. Um, yeah, me and her, we were just very different people. But I did learn to accept her death right away. Okay. And why do you think your mom had alcohol issues? Um, I think and not pain. She wanted to numb her pain. Um, I'm not too sure. I'm not too... Um, I'm not 100% sure why she drank. She didn't really talk about it either. Um, She started talking a little bit when I was in my mid-20s. It was hard for her to talk. Um, Yeah, I wish I knew that answer too. I'm also learning about her, even after her death, like I'm still learning about her. Um, it's yeah. like you said about those kids who were racist and how hurt people hurt people, and you know, it, it's it's almost hand in hand. If you're in, you automatically have trauma and pain and uh-huh. hurt because of everything that. Inuit have gone through so for sure you know she was a hurt person yeah yeah for sure um yeah I I remember being like when I was a teenager I remember wishing that she had gone to a therapy I know she tried getting help but it was like it wasn't enough kind of thing um yeah 
I'm not too sure why she had so much pain and a lot of that pain like put it out on me sometimes um, um I hated that too um yeah I'd, I'm not too sure why she, like wh I don't know why she didn't talk that's, uh -huh. the, that's the other thing too mm -hmm. yeah so knowing <clears throat> knowing what you know about your mom um are there like things that you try and do in your life to kind of how would I put it to to do things differently than your mom um uh -huh. like sort of in honor of your mom if that makes any sense mm -hmm. yeah um I recently learned that my mom couldn't really show affection to me, but my dad did. My, like my dad hugged me, he kissed me, like showed me um like affection. I was craving for that from my mom. Like my mom, she just didn't have, you know, uh, like I I just didn't feel that connection with her. She did not have that. She did not give me that affectionate, um, loving, um, you know, these physical or um, emotional support um, because she did not get get it from her mother. Mm, no. My grandmother, my grandmother's mom had to be sent to Toronto in the 1940s and 50s because she had TP. She had been sent down to Toronto by ship, and there were a lot of like you know Inuit patients mm -hmm. back in the day mm -hmm. who were shipped to down south. Yeah, to the sanatoriums. Yes, yes, uh, to be healed, to get healing, uh -huh. um, physical healing. Yes, and my grandmother's mother, she never came back to Inuitral. Mm -hmm. She never came back to. My grandmother. Uh-huh. So she died in those sanatoriums. Yes. And my grandmother, she I don't know how old she was, but she was a young girl. So she didn't have that mother and daughter relationship. Uh -huh. And she couldn't give it give that to my mother. Yeah. So my mom, she she just didn't know how to uh -huh. like be that um supporting emotional supporter uh -huh. to her daughter. Yeah, because she didn't receive it. Yeah, exactly. So she just didn't know how. Uh -huh. Um that's what I've learned yes. um, recently. So in order for me to um get this emotional support, now I seek and ask um my female friends, can you do this to me? Like can you hug me? Uh -huh. Um can you like I asked my friend, like, I want, I want to feel loved. I want to feel uh, supported, and I received that from a healthy woman, my uh -huh. close friends. Like, um, so in order for me to to heal that part of me, I ask uh, feminine, loving, uh, emotional support, and like female energy. Uh -huh. um, so I do ask. I'm the, I'm the one who make an effort to say yeah. 
I want this. Can can mm-hmm. I receive it from a healthy person? Mm-hmm. How amazing to be aware of exactly what you need and how to ask for it. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. And yeah. it took me a long time too. Yeah. Like I wasn't conscious of like every time I'm being mean to a person, I'm like, okay, like where is this coming from? Where is it coming from? Yeah. Like I think this is pain. So mm-hmm. In order for me to heal this pain, like I have to like ask for help, like go to a therapist or read books or mm-hmm. watch um I don't know YouTube uh, channels like on how to like like how to do this, how to uh-huh. do that, like yeah. those type. Like I was yeah. kind of like desperate. Like few years ago, like I was like almost desperate to okay, like how do I be a good person? Mm-hmm. So asking like questions. you're being an athlete. For your life, <laughs> yeah. Am I gonna be really? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. How am I gonna the same? be the best me? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. The kind, kind me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Person me. Uh-huh. Yeah. But yeah. you need a gold medal in that. Oh, too. Yes. thank you. <laughs> thank you. So yeah, to answer your question, I do ask for help. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. Yeah. Because that's like, that's one of the hard hardest things mm-hmm. uh, I find. Um, coming like I, I can, struggle I, with that big mm-hmm, time too. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to ask for. Yeah, like I I really relate to um to growing up with a mom who wasn't very attentive mm-hmm. and present with mm-hmm. me. Um, same. Yeah, similar to to your grandma. My mother lost her mother to to sickness. Um, to the Spanish flu mm-hmm. when she was uh. Or so she never had a mother figure, so she didn't give that motherly uh-huh. um, love to me because she didn't she didn't have uh-huh. it. So we too were very distant um, until a few years ago uh-huh. when when we both worked on our relationship and and um, talking through and. And there was a lot of pain trying to come to that. And now I can say that we have a pretty healthy relationship. Well, and it took years yeah, to get there. It takes time. I find where that comes from is, and it, it's it's uh, being mature on our part. You know, like sometimes we want to blame the people that hurt us. But at a certain point, we're responsible oh, yeah, for our exactly. lives right now. And being able to um, put our feet in our parents' shoes Uh is extremely healing. To have empathy for the things that they've gone through, even though it hurt us. Yeah. You know, um, that's a part of taking the responsibility of you being a better person and not... uh Continuing on with that generational trauma, mm-hmm. yeah, and breaking the cycle, breaking exactly. the cycle, yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah, us, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like Very we much. had to be the responsible ones, uh-huh. yeah. But I mean, I obviously we're benefiting from that, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 because it's very, I mean. I used to play the blame game mm-hmm. a lot. And 
Yes. Why not? I mean, uh, you, you've been hurt. You've been. Uh, it's easy to yeah. do that. It is easier yeah. to like guilt trip or mm-hmm. you know yeah. you did this to or me. Stay in it. Like stay yeah. in the victimhood, in the wrong behaviors, and stay in the in the yeah. sadness because. Why wouldn't you be? Uh-huh. Look at everything that's happened to you. you yeah. know, it's so easy to stay there. But, um, you know, like I, people, when they ask me how long or how I've stayed sober this long, I always say there's no shortcuts. You have to, you have to put in the work, like you have to. You have to do the work. It doesn't come easy, but man, it's good on this side. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. So good yeah. on this side. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's like, that's something we can definitely talk about is our sobriety because yeah. we're all cool kids. Yeah. <laughs> it's a sober game. Yeah. yeah. And, and we want more people to yeah, yeah, come cocaine. be a part of our game. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, uh, yeah. I, that's what I. Chris, um, are you a part of our cool I'm game? Not, uh, oh, okay. okay. Tune out. <laughs> <laughs> not invited. <laughs> go make oatmeal coffee. Oatmeal. Yeah. yeah. Oatmeal coffee. <laughs> <laughs> no, like for me, uh, it was a real problem. Yeah, I had yeah. a real problem. We had a problem together. Yes. Remember those days? Oh my God. <laughs> oh, I seen a video. <laughs> I, I had YouTube on, the I think for Christmas, I was playing whatever, you know, to do Christmas music. I'm always playing, you know, to do Christmas music, but I guess it had been playing for like hours. So this really old Akbik Jam oh my God. video came no. out and you were performing. Oh my and God. I could see the glitter on your eyes and I was like. I did her makeup that day. <laughs> and we were wasted. Yeah, we were wasted by like 3 p.m. Yeah, I remember. Wow. Uh, when I think back to those days, it's like, it's a miracle that I'm still alive. I <laughs> What made you to, like, you know, calm down or stop drinking? Um... I was first, eh? You were. Yeah, you're... I'm, you were. I'm 11 years now. I'm in 11 and, and a you're half. you're 15. 15 years sober. Yes. Congratulations. Well, I knew this. Yeah, thank I you. I knew this... Uh, I knew this thing. I knew... I've always been pretty self-aware. Even when I was using... You know, I feel like... I've always had this kind of... Um, sixth sense. Mm. That... Uh, even though I have been in really dangerous situations when I was, you know, younger, I always had this. It's just I. But anyway, I had this feeling that if I don't stop, I'm gonna die. Duh. I knew I was gonna die. I knew it. I. I. It was so clear to me. And so what? You know, die or change. And I didn't know if my life was worth it. Um, at the time, I wasn't good at anything. I I didn't go to school. I didn't. Uh, I didn't have any healthy relationships. I had been drunk 
um, for many years. And how old were you at this time? I quit drinking. You know, people don't really take it seriously, I guess, when I say because I was only 22 when I quit drinking. But by the time I was 22, you know, I, I had drank a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you started the, very young. I started young, but I mean, by the time I was five, I had I had lived this insane life, you know. So by the time I was 10, I had lived two insane lives. Mm-hmm. So by the time I was 22, I I had lived, I had probably died twice and... So I quit when I was 22, but, um, what was my question? Why how, did you? Oh, or, how did I yeah. get sober? Or what made you stop? What made, and so even today, like, I feel like there's just this, this way about the world and I guess my journey and my fate, like things just happen. And maybe I wasn't aware of it then, but you to reflect now and look back, everything happened exactly the way it mm-hmm. needed to. Like, none of it could be different. And so I had started, uh, I didn't have any stable work. I mean, you couldn't rely on me for anything. I, I drank so much. I can remember feeling like, how can I bottle this feeling and stay like this forever? Oh. And anyway, I was friends with this girl and uh, that week, that month, she was my party friend and she was working, she was replacing somebody at the treatment center in Kutjuk that had been closed for, I think, a year because they didn't have, I don't know, they were restructuring the program or something. And I mean, she was just as drunk as I was, but... She was replacing somebody, and because it was closed, they just needed somebody to answer the phones there. And then she got drunk, and they asked me to replace her. <laughs> so I was like, "Okay, well, I need a little bit of money, you <laughs> to know, drink to more. drink more." <laughs> and I mean, I would get fired now if I talked about this. Now, then, <laughs> <laughs> they can't buy you, you now. Can't fire me anymore. <laughs> nope. No. Um, but I can remember. I'm at the treatment center. Okay, it's bad, but it was closed. Okay, guys. Uh, <laughs> like they just needed somebody to answer the phones. I can remember going there, and I had a water bottle, and I had gosh like inside the it's water so bottle. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, and then it, you know, and then like one week turned into, and then I met Saima. I mean, I knew Sam all my life, but yeah. I mean, Sam, Sam was my son's father. Um, and, um, you know, he's, he's this amazing, but in a silent way, guy. And I felt for the first time in my life, I felt safe. And so I kind of was running with it, you know, like, okay, what a work. And... Simon's girlfriend drink a little bit hiding you know and then you know within a few months they were going to open this treatment center and one of the requirements to work at the treatment center was that they wanted to put all the staff through the treatment cycle so that we as staff could know what our clients uh, was going through and I mean maybe the universe didn't 
turn around and swirls for but i feel like it it did and you know it was all just made this path was made for me to get sober i should be more grateful for that that was an extremely clear um path that was given to me and but <laughs> um so we had to do this treatment cycle and I can I can remember like some of my friends saying but Tanya you're gonna drink with us right when you get out when you're done and I would and I said yeah 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 yeah. don't worry about it you're all in fact <laughs> and but in the back of my mind I knew you know maybe you haven't been good at and you have to understand I was not good at anything like today and maybe I've done a few good things but back then I didn't have any confidence to hang on to. No self-esteem. No. <laughs> I didn't believe in myself at all. So the only thing I could do was tell myself, even though I am physically telling my friends, yeah, I'll be back. I'm going to drink with you. You tell yourself you're going to do this. You're going to stay sober. So I did. And this really worked for me one fucking day at a time so I did that cycle and it saved my life and you know I just realized it like three minutes ago that um how beautifully that path was put in front of me and I like to um I like to acknowledge these things, so I will. When I go home, uh -huh. I'm gonna acknowledge the past. That Mike, you need to give us <laughs> this <is> so <laughs> ghetto, Mike. Mike, can we get some real Kleenex in here? Get Jesus. us. <laughs> Tell me right up. Honestly, oh, we got Lauren. Oh, that's a nice one. So that's oh no, we share. I'm good. Oh. <laughs> So that was, um, that was day, I, I, I went on this, I went out with a bang. I certainly went out with a bang. I went into treatment, um, still booze running through my veins. I was hungover, but man, I gave it, I knew I was going to give it. I was, this was it, you know, I, uh, it was do or die for me. I knew I didn't have any more chances, and uh, I desperately wanted to be a better person. And I wanted to be good at something. So I was going to be good at being sober. Oh. But it, it took me a long time, you know, like I, I'm still fucked up. Fifteen years later, I'm still, I still have a lot of issues, but... He said sober. Yeah. We That's all have issues. Yeah. yeah the, it's the, big. The, it's incredible. I say, when people ask me that question, like, how, how do you stay sober? How do you, or what should I do? Like, my life is messed up. And I always say, get sober and 90% of your problems are gone. Yeah. Uh, and then you're going to be able to deal with the 10%, you know? But yeah, it was um, 
you know, Histoire Civique. It's a treatment center. I did the program. We had um, this incredible facilitator. Like, she was top-notch. We, because they were facilitating the staff, they, they, uh, they gave us the best of the best, and thank God for that. They really... I, I learned so much going to treatment. I said I said strongly suggested. I mean it. Uh, it gave me the safe place to fall apart. Uh, to fall apart. To uh, put myself back together, and not to heal, but to start healing. You uh, know. But it was. Um, the most important thing was, is that treatment is a safe place to fall apart. And that is exactly what I needed to do. I was like this Frankenstein. Was holding together with all these stitches and I just uh, needed to start over. Uh -huh. Amazing. Truly inspirational. And that's, yeah, I won't get into it. Get it get into it too much but you are definitely my um pillar when it came uh, to like sobriety <laughs> yeah and that's uh, in 2011 <clears throat> and we can talk about it another time but um hmm. i'm gonna to... hug you later okay? uh, <laughs> it's so nice what you said though desiree healed people heal people uh -huh. and yeah. just hearing your story tanya it did it heals it's healing it, it's yeah, yeah, really yeah. beautiful. It's to beautiful. Have your yes. shared. Mm -hmm. And what about you, Beaches? Like, what made you stop drinking? Oh, I was at the end of my mm -hmm. my my rope. Um, it was either um, um, kill myself or um, take responsibility for for my fuck ups Ugh. and um, try try something that I never did, which was get completely sober and face my my issues and get to the root of my anger because um, every time I drank, almost every time I drank, I became a monster. Oh. And I thought it was because of my toxic relationship, but becoming sober um, allowed me to look deeper into myself and look deeper into my brokenness and once I started dealing with my brokenness and my issues I understood where I was so angry where I was so hurt and when I started talking about them and really um, dismantling my heart and getting into my history my childhood my desire to drink um, started going away and I started getting stronger. Um, <clears throat> it was very difficult becoming sober because then I felt everything. Mm -hmm. I felt so much and I remember having moments of anguish of just wanting to drink and that's when I would reach out to Tanya mm -hmm. and Saima because Saima and I, Saima, uh, Tanya's, um, Baby Ex daddy. Yeah, his, her baby daddy. <laughs> My best friend. <laughs> and I quit drinking a day apart. Wow. Mm -hmm. 
he had his own issues and I had my own. And I was in Montreal. He was in Gujarat. And coincidentally, we both decided, like, we're wow. we're going to quit drinking. Like, we, we didn't decide together, but we decided coincidentally at the same time because we were both, like, tired of our issues. I just got goosebumps. Yeah. That, that's and something. We three. Mm -hmm. I, like, I, like, with Tanya. Ta Tanya and Saima were, like, my unofficial sponsors mm. if you will mm. in quitting mm. drinking and that's what i found made a huge difference is having that support mm -hmm. just to have someone where i can say fuck tanya mm -hmm. i'm gonna fucking kill myself if i don't have a drink and mm -hmm. then you would just listen mm -hmm. and wait for that that um um urge <laughs> to drink and until it passes, she just listened. And that's what... We all had some... Yeah. And the pain is in common as well, but we were on this path. And we had yeah. to do it. And it's uh, it's so neat, like, how it's almost been like this little tiny snowball. Uh -huh. of sobriety and how people are, you know, coming on board. Coming on board. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I... Anok. I find that's part of the calling that I have yes, is yes. to... <clears throat> not to, like... Not necessarily about being sober, but... um talking about healing the journey yeah because not everybody has a problem drinking mm -hmm. i i didn't know how to drink because i had so much pain and trauma and that made me not have control um when it came to alcohol i have this, um, I have this theory though that you know maybe not everybody has a drinking problem but in our culture and everything that surrounds that, everybody has a responsibility. Because even if you're, if you can drink, if your drinking has ever caused anybody, any, anything. Like, I mean, how, thought about this, how I would say it. But we have a responsibility. People who are uh, on um, CBC, Isalak, uh -huh. people who are on, who are teachers, people who work at the Northern, if you have ever, any one of you have ever caused anybody to miss, your kids to miss school because you were hungover, you are a part of the problem. If you are drinking and you raise your voice and you scare any anybody, a child, you are a part of the problem. If you are coming into our region, our communities, and, and you are drinking in front of people who have serious trauma, who are unable to drink, you are a part of the problem. It's the same, it's the same theory that I have about getting sober 
If you quit drinking, 90% of your problems are gone. If you take alcohol away completely, 90% of the problems are gone. So I feel like everybody has this responsibility. Every person that goes into the North, whether you're white and you don't have a drinking problem, your drinking is going to affect somebody. Therefore, you are a part of the problem. So, yeah. They're they shit together. Yeah. Take responsibility yeah. for yourself. Don't drink around our kids. Stuff. Yeah. Bublé. <laughs> Mike with his bublé. <clears throat> I don't drink anything but coffee. <laughs> yeah. I'm running a little. Not even water. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't waste my time on water. No. <laughs> I don't. Wa- I know. Sorry, Desiree. I know. I know. I know. I'll make up for it. I'll make up for it with the, an extra hug. Or okay. Some... Okay. I, I love water. I know. You know. I'm the worst. I'm very healthy person. We're still working on it. We're working on it. Okay. Yeah, we're working okay. on it. We're getting there. I mean, I can't be perfect, guys. Like, take yeah, it No one yeah. is. Almost perfect. <laughs> yeah. I drink water. I don't drink coffee. We're like off the Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you're <laughs> super healthy. Yeah, thank you. I try. Coffee still hydrates. <laughs> yeah, but it also dehydrates. Like 99 water. Enough. If you drink yeah, enough, yeah. more. Yeah. I get headaches right. if I don't have enough coffee. I'm not against coffee. No, I'm just, I know. You know, I. But you love water. I love water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, get back on the program here. <laughs> What's so, the next question? Yeah. Um, uh, we asked Desiree in advance if. If a song of mine uh, resonates with her, and she chose our song, History. Mm-hmm. Now, can we talk about why the song resonates with you more? I was afraid of this question. Mm. <laughs> um, I don't know the whole lyrics of that song, but I do. I remember texting you saying, I love this song. Mm-hmm. I'm, um, that was when, like, two months ago, I think? Something like that. That time, I was like, Okay, you know what? Someone told me that, okay, Desiree, you, you're going into your next chapter. Like, just randomly said that to me. And then a few moments later, no, a few days later, I I heard your song. I'm like, this makes sense. Like, this song... Thank you. Yes, this song. I'm like... <laughs> It just makes sense. Like, I'm going into my next chapter. I'm leaving my history, my past. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to move on. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, that's why I love this song. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think it's that this song, I love it too. Sometimes I get to uh, support Beatrice as a backup singer. And um, every time we sing that last line, get out of your history and into your destiny, I get chills. Uh-huh. Like, I get chills exactly. just thinking of it now. And it's... So apropos to what we've been talking about. Yes, yes, Ooh. very much. Yeah. Thank you for the song. Mm. Uh, thank you. I am Beatrice's number one fan. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse I, me. I am the number one 
thing along from the crowd. Okay, that, so it's dangerous for you to put this music on in the background because I'm going to be compelled to sing along. <laughs> uh, I was going to say I'm number one fan, but the sing along part you can have. That. Okay. I don't know how to sing. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> you guys are awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you so much. Um, I think, uh, is this the end? Can is I, it? Can, 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 I, can I actually ask one question? Oh, I, please and do. I, I was please really do. curious sure. about this, about um, Arctic Winter Games and just, just how you, this is a question for everyone but Chris. Okay. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Chris. <laughs> That's okay. I'm sure you have a question there for me. I do, yeah, I do. <laughs> but just, I, I'm, I'm just genuinely curious. So all of these games, you know, that I was saying I'd never heard of before. Uh-huh. Um, how would you feel if, for example, finger pull or one foot high kick? It's a became... stick pull. Yeah, or stick pull. Ah. Not finger pull. Okay, finger, finger ah. pull is something else, Laurel. Okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> Dene games. There you go, Dene. It was in the same, when I was reading the mm-hmm. same article. Mm-hmm. And see, this is where it's like, it's hard to find mm-hmm. the information. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. good. So yeah. I thank you for correcting me. Okay, well, let's say one foot high kick. Mm-hmm. If If that took off on TikTok mm-hmm. or something, mm-hmm. how would you all feel about that? Would you say, oh, this is cool that people are getting into our culture or would you say thanks but no thanks it actually is losing some of its meaning out of context good question um for me i don't mind at all when we're competing at the arctic games there's inuit there's white there's black it's like different inuit games that the sport welcomes everyone like that's how arctic games started to share cultures um, on social media, TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram. Go, you know, like learn the games, you know. There are definitely subjects that are touchy, like for, for sure. That, but Inuit games, super cool and people learn about it, appreciate it. I mean, it's nowhere else in the world do you see such unique um, competitions being held and by people who are out of the Arctic, you know, uh-huh. no grand stadiums, no gyms. I mean, back then, you know, uh-huh. so it, it's pretty amazing how one that they have survived and um, two, how, how they came to be, why they came to be. Yeah. Oh, it's it's definitely a, a nice way to uh, learn about our culture. Yeah. And like these games, they're so old, like from hundreds of years ago. Um, now we compete. It's a friendly competition. Um, but on social media, I do wish that people uh, give credit to our culture, I think. Um but otherwise, like, welcome, you know? Like, I'm Inuk, and then and then I'm Black. So mm-hmm. it's like, I'm mixed. Still, the sport welcomes me. And I do wish people, um, if or when they come to the games, welcome. Yeah, so B, uh, we're going we're gonna to throw to this question for you huh? from uh, this very adorable young lady. Hi, my name's Teresina. 
I'm a big fan of your song, Imuta. Um, how did you choose your oh. beautiful tattoos, Beatrice? <laughs> I just sweetheart. I wasn't expecting that to be the question. Oh. That's <laughs> so cute. <laughs> Uh, and very important. Yes, <laughs> yes. So to answer your question, you cutie pie, um, I chose my, well, I have a lot of tattoos. Um, maybe I'll start explaining my chin tattoo, <clears throat> which would have been originally um, the first tattoo Um the, the chin tattoo was um, culturally the first tattoo we got as young girls when we uh, first started our period. This would have been tattooed. But because we lost our tattoo traditions due to colonization, I only got this uh, two years ago. Um more than two years ago now, uh, as part of my way of decolonizing. And I got these tattoos as part of, uh, again, decolonizing. And um, I got these and I gave them my own meaning, meaning, which was my 10th year sobriety, which is a very big accomplishment for me. So in our culture, Tattoos meant different things, different accomplishments in life. And since we are in the urban times, uh, no, modern times, um, we don't have the same meanings for our tattoos anymore. For example, back in the day before colonization, if you learn how to build a, a kayak, a kayak, um, you would earn your tattoos. Or if you learn how to make traditional comics boots, then you earn tattoos. Um, but to me, my big accomplishment was 10 years sober. So I got these markings. And then I got different markings. Like I have markings on my thighs, which are birthing tattoos. So the baby can see something beautiful and artistic as she's born. And then I have my wrist tattoos, which were, um, which are, um, to say that I'm an Inuk woman. Um, and yeah, that, that's, that's just part of our identity as Inuit women. We got tattooed. And we're still getting tattooed. And it's my daughter, Ahsanit, who, who tattoos me now. So I'm very proud of that. Thank you for your question. What's your thoughts about our first podcast? Uh, before I came here, I was so calm. I thought I would uh, be nervous, but I wasn't. So I was so happy about that. Um, I kept telling myself, okay, just be myself. Just breathe. Just be present. That's it. So I came and I felt like heard, seen, um, and being myself was like 
that was the goal so yeah. i achieved that yeah. so i thank I everyone yeah i love yeah. it oh. i love this podcast and yeah it was a good um talk awesome yeah i appreciate everyone's honesty and openness Mm-hmm. So much. I loved recording our first episode and come back for more. Yes. <laughs>